welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hey, welcome to Church at the Well. My name is VJ. And I'm Dave. And we have the privilege of teaching uh, as a part of our weekly service uh, gathering. Any of you that have been a part of our church for a while know that that's something we both do. Um, but some of you are new, maybe haven't met Dave yet. You'll find out why in a few minutes. A later. Um, but over the next four weeks, this is what we're going to be doing, six feet apart, <laughs> coming to you uh, in this new series that we are starting. And so we just want to welcome you. If this is new for you, or the new to your church, or uh, you're a part of the woodwork here in our church family, welcome. Um, we've been laughing about the fact that there's certain words that we're getting tired of saying and hearing in the season. Um, yeah. Dave said the other day, if, if, if I hear the word unprecedented, one more time, I'm going to punch someone. Yeah. And then, and then, and then I said it. Yeah. I was watching a video he shot. I'm like, dude, you said it. So <laughs> came out. It was later like, on off camera, we're going to punch it. Lapse of judgment. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the words that has been helpful for me is the word disoriented yeah. because it describes how I'm feeling. Uh, both in terms of feeling lost, like where am I? Yeah. And sometimes, if I'm honest, being purposeless and demotivated. Yeah. Not because I don't have a full list of things to do that I even want to do. Mm-hmm. It's just a I've never had this before. Right. And uh, and I think that you know whatever your situation is, uh, maybe you can relate to that. It's like where where am I? Like wh- which end is up? What day is it even? Yeah. And where am I heading? What's the point of what I'm trying to do? What does success even look like? Disorientation has definitely marked my life. Um, in this in these days yeah i mean for us there's a lot of confusion and i mean even though there are certain things that we do know going forward there's still a lot of mystery and all that and so as we try to put together what life may look like even for the next couple of months it's hard to look beyond you know next week or the week after even as kids get back to school and whatnot and and one thing that uh, sandra my wife and i we've been kind of uh whether it be forced into or we've been considering lately is, well, what does, you know, uh, what does normal look like right now? You know, new normal is another one of those want to punch you kind of uh, <laughs> phrases. But, you know, I we kind of get the sentiment of that, right? It's like, how do we actually, what is going to be normal right now? And so we've asked, been asking the question, well, you know, as much as we'd appreciate getting back to normal, uh, we have to say, was our previous normal, like pre-COVID times, was that actually good? Right. Was that actually healthy? Or are we actually in need of a reset? Are we in, in need of a reconnect? Are we in need of something different as we go forward? And, and that's that's where we're leaning. Yeah. So coming back to this fall, I was like, man, does it have to be like this? Like, do we is we just destined yeah. to live like this because we're waiting on news about vaccine yeah. or cases? Or can we, in fact, and use that word reconnect, it's what we're calling this series, yeah. um, because we're saying, what does it mean to come back to the things that are most important and most true, right. which is about relationships, yeah. relationship with God, which some of you are like, hey, I don't know what that is. Great. You're in the right place to explore that um, relationship with ourselves, like our mental state and our yeah. sense of well-being and who we are and our relationship with each other. Yeah. And so we're actually saying, yeah, like, what would it look like to have a plan or a pathway this fall that allows us to reconnect and yeah. for relationships to thrive. Now, when I say plan, one of the words or phrases or ideas that's been helpful for us is the word trellis and vine. And we have a nice little wood trellis that we cut out of Dave's backyard. Yeah. We, yeah, he used to have a bigger trellis. Now yeah. he has a smaller one because we have this <laughs> have two here. trellises. The idea of trellis and vine is saying trellis is something that's not alive, right? It's a piece of wood and it's actually built and it can be changed um, to help the thing that is alive thrive. Yeah. And some of us are like enamored with plans and structures. Yeah, we want it. Others of us twitch yeah. when it comes to that. The point is, 
the, the not to get over obsessed with structure, but to say everything that's alive and, and needing to thrive needs a structure or a pathway to help it do that. Right. And, and, and life with God and life with each other, like relationships and the spiritual life in the scriptures is referred to a lot in terms of vine or organic growth. Yeah. And so one of the trellises actually that the church has used, uh, the church, capital C, Jesus followers for the last over, over a thousand years is called the rule of life. Yeah. And, and I actually think that whether you're somebody who winces when you hear the word structure or you're somebody who loves the word structure or, or rule or a rule, like one of the things I think we, we, if we're honest, we can say is, okay, I'm willing to give it a go, but just where do I even start? Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're talking about for the next couple of weeks. Rule of life is, is actually what uh, this guy, Benedict, Benedict was a follower of Jesus who lived in Italy from 480 AD to 547 AD. So this is a long time ago, 1500 years ago. And as he was living his life, he was kind of observing what was happening around him in Rome, Roman culture. And he was feeling a tension like this, this, this strong divide between um, how there ought to be a divide rather between the culture around him and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The problem he was noticing is that there was no distinguishable difference. Everything looked all mixed together. He says, this isn't right. If we're following Jesus, things ought to be different, right? And again, whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or whether you're just exploring this, hopefully this will be a helpful way of understanding what are we even talking about when we're saying, you know, we're Christians? What are we even talking about when we're saying we want to be followers of Jesus? He, He was saying that for the follower of Jesus, uh, the distinguishing factor needs to be that we center our lives around the love of Jesus, not around anything else, but first and foremost, around the love of Jesus. That must come before all else. And so he created these four categories, these four buckets. He created this rule that includes these four categories, rest, prayer, relationships, and work. And each week for the next four weeks, we're actually going to be talking uh, about this. Now, one thing that's important to know as we think about this is this is a lens. This is a framework that is meant to include the scope of all of life. Rest, rest, prayer, relationships, and work fit into all of these categories. Now, this isn't just about do's and don'ts. I do this. I don't do that. Uh, Actually, what this is about is saying this is the way I'm going to structure my life so that they become a means of receiving the love of God and then being able to give the love of God to others. This is reconnecting with God, reconnecting with ourselves, and reconnecting with others. So over the next four weeks, we're actually going to take each week to look at a different one of those four areas that Dave talked about. And so that's going to be really important for you in your journey. And we're hoping at the end of the month that you're able to say, I think I have a little bit of a trellis for my own life that fits my life, that will allow me to reconnect and grow my relationship with God, myself, and others. In addition, we'd, we'd encourage you to go to the blog, uh, which is called Reconnect, on our website, thewell.ca, because each week we're going to give you some questions and tools to say, okay, how do I figure out this thing, this bucket, each, each week for my own life? And then at the end of the month, on the Sunday evening, the last uh, Sunday of September, the 27th, we're yep. going to be doing a webinar or seminar that you can sign up to to come in live or uh, in person or watch online that will kind of be a working session as you've taken sort of the raw material of what you've worked with right. over the, the month and to work it out um, together. Yeah. So before we jump into today's sort of bucket and what we're going to talk about, I want to invite you just to stop and let the band lead you in a song that really reminds us of the love and the life and the presence of God. And so I just invite you to engage with that now. So we begin our journey of building this trellis together with the, the bucket or the category of rest. Now, that may seem counterintuitive because yeah. you're like, okay, how am I going to fix my life? 
oh, you're going to rest. Yes. You're going to wait. I'm going to do nothing. And, yeah. and here's why this Hurry is Hurry up so, and stop. Yeah, yeah. Here's why this is so important, because there's other words that we associate with the idea of rest. Um, leisure, uh, the weekend, not, not the artist, actual <laughs> Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, um, vacations and retirement. Yeah. And we live in a culture that in a sense worships all of those things um, and sees them as necessary things to deal with the evils of right. the busyness and stress of life. Right. And so, man, I crash into the weekend because uh, I mean, I'm so exhausted. At the end of the day, I flop on the couch yeah. or, man, I can't wait for my next vacation and it's just going to rescue me yeah, from... Yeah, obsess over it. Yeah, and then retirement is nirvana, yeah, right? right? Waiting for that someday, one day because life is so hard. It's right. stressful. And so we think, when we think of rest, we think, we can tend to think of those categories. And because life is bad, I need these things. And and I run after them and I plan for them and I spend a lot of money on them or I spend a lot of time thinking about them. Or if I can't get them, I feel like I'm frustrated and right. I'm never going to be able to fix my life. Right, yeah. And so when we're talking about rest, I mean, uh, one of the things that we need to keep in mind, in particular is we're going to understand more about how Benedict put this rule together. It wasn't just that Benedict observed, man, I think if we just took more naps, you know, we'd be better off. That's that's true. There's truth to that. But that's not actually where rest originates, right? Uh, Even, you know, you could think of people going and visiting their doctors and getting checked out for all sorts of different symptoms that they have. And the doctor saying, you know, what you need is you need more rest. Okay, that's true. Doctors do say that, but that's not where it came from. Not just from these people observing and saying this. Rest is actually something that was put in place as a key component in the natural weekly rhythm of all creation. So have a listen to this scripture, and we're going to see how uh, the Word of God tells us a few things about rest. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. What we just heard is the schedule for the first week of human history, of world history, really. God is showing us what the rhythm of like life, what the rhythm of life is meant to look like. That we see that God worked, and not only did he work, he did good work, creative work, imaginative work. And that's actually a whole other bucket that in a few weeks we're going to come back and talk about, okay, what is the rule of life as it pertains to, to work? What, is that, what does that look like? And we see that after he did this good work, he said, that work is good, and then he rests, right? Which to me always posed itself, poses an interesting question to me, like, why does God need to rest, <laughs> right? Like, if we're, if we're meant to believe that God is all-powerful, that he had, like, limitless power, limitless ability, um, you know, that he's, he's created, and not only that, he's sustaining the whole world, the whole universe, all of us, everything all at once, why, why, would, why would he need to rest? I just have this funny picture of, like, uh, the weekend warrior, like, yeah. looking at the clock, five o'clock, and he, yeah. pun- and he punches out, he's out the door, his yeah. boss is saying, hey, and he's like, no, no, God is the 
boss. So the, this whole thing is just, it seems kind of weird. Well, what, what is going, what's going on here? What we're seeing is that God is choosing to rest. And actually, this is taking place before the world is broken, before the rhythm, the schedule, the routine, the process mm-hmm. of, of human life is broken. God is instituting something before all of that. So, so he's not resting as, the, um, as a response to tiredness or exhaustion mental fatigue uh, or sickness. Rather, what he's doing is he's setting up the routine, the schedule for life and saying a key component needs to be that we rest. God, God didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because his work for the week was complete. Mm. And actually his rest begins, uh, we can see it actually functions like a hinge because he does this work, then he rests, and then it would obviously go into the next week. And he's setting up a model for us that that our lives are meant to have this, this hinge. We work until we rest, and then we rest from work. We don't just work for rest, mm. we work from rest. I think that's an important distinction. And what he does next, is, I mean, what, what we saw there is that God actually designates this day as a holy day. He blesses it. He said, this day is supposed to be set apart. It's supposed to be fundamentally different than the others. Later on, this word became known as, uh, the, this day became known as the Sabbath day. Perhaps that's a familiar, uh, familiar word to you. The Sabbath day. Literally, Sabbath means to cease, to desist from your work, to stop working to not do any more work. And it's a day where all work is meant to stop. Uh, professional work, uh, homework, errands, kids, we're looking out for you students, right? <laughs> homework even can stop on this day. Yes, parents, I hope you heard that. Kids, your parents did hear that. We're meant to stop. We're meant to rest our bodies. We're meant to rest our souls. We're meant to focus on this reconnecting with God, reconnecting with ourselves, reconnecting with others. Uh, one writer says this, a day of Sabbath rest, is when we stop doing all of our work and we trust God to run the universe without our help for that day, <laughs> right? It's a bit absurd, right? It's a little absurd, but but the point still stands. All of the work that we try to do, sometimes we can we can fall into the, believing this thing that, that actually God needs us to do all of this, right? He can't do it on his own. No. Yes. Has he invited us to partner with him in doing good work? Certainly. He's given us skills and gifts and opportunities. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But if we believe that we are actually helping the world go around uh, without God's help, then then we've completely lost the plot. And and this is true for me. This is true for Vijay. You're going to hear more of our stories in a little while. But many of us need a hard reset when it comes to implementing a routine, a rhythm of rest in our lives. This is not nearly as simple as just saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to try and take more naps, or I'm going to try and have more unhurried time. I'm going to build in more uh, margin, more white space into my calendar. Though Those aren't bad things, of course, but it's not as simple as that. This is actually a complete reset, a complete restructure. It's actually saying, I'm not going to look forward to that bit of rest I'm going to have in the weekend or, or when my next vacation comes or Christmas break. It's saying, I actually need to put rest as a priority into my life, into the life of my family right here, right now. And this is really why we're talking about rest first in the series, right? We're not going to talk about, you know, scripture reading, and prayer and how to work and how to rebuild and rekindle relationships. And then once you've done all that, take a, take a break. Because if we did that, we'd never get to the rest because there's always more and more work to do. But God is saying to us, he's modeling for us. No, we can, we can stop. 
We can trust him. We can do good work and we can then come back to it at another time. Rest needs to be put first and foremost. We were talking about this, how like capitalism, you know, yeah. the, 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 which we, it's the air we're breathing, the economy, everything drives us to productivity, output, busyness, yeah. and work. And so we can say, man, this is so hard, right? And even day when you talk about hard reset, yeah, it's going to be hard as in typical. Yeah, like really difficult. But think about actually who this first was written to, this Genesis account of the description of the world. It was actually written by Moses, we think, to the children of Israel after they had come out of being slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Right. So it was written to people for whom their whole life was work. Right. They had no concept of rest. They were only viewed as units of productivity. Right. And they were driven hard to produce. Yeah. And they all were slaves. They, all they knew was Egyptian life. Yeah. And God is saying, no, no, no. Let me give you how this is actually meant to be. Let's go back to the start. They had no day off. No day off. And, and, and in, in bringing the, the Sabbath to them, this rest, it was doing two things. One, it was saying to them, this is who you are. In other words, you are not slaves. You are children. Right. Um, and because they had been, like, that's all we are, and generational, right? Yeah. 400 years yeah. and everybody, like your all children's children, right? So it's all they knew. And so God was saying, mm -hmm. no, children in a household are allowed to rest. They're not slaves. And secondly, he was trying to tell them, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. See, they would have been in Egypt working, building the cities of Ramses and other places and um, temples to the God of Pharaoh, who was the leader of the land. So they worked for their God, and they built everything for the glory of their God as slaves. And so he used them up for his own glory. Right. And God's saying, yeah, I am glorious too, but I don't need you right. to make me glorious. I don't need you to do work for right. me. In fact, you can rest, and I'm still God. Yeah. And so that's that was actually telling them who they were, but also who he was. The funny thing is, they couldn't get it right. Like, they didn't actually, like, sort of the history of it. So, like, they were constantly uh, not trusting God enough to take the Sabbath, to take the day off in so many different ways, to the point where Jesus arrives, you know, a few thousand years later. And they had now not only had the Sabbath as one of the Ten Commandments, but they had 39 other laws all around Sabbath. Right. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. This is, and maybe some of you grew up in homes where that's what it was like. And he basically said to them, you totally missed the point. Right. The Sabbath is for you. Yeah. It's a gift for you. Right. But he's upset with them because, especially the religious leaders, he's like, you know what this is doing? It's actually doing the opposite of what it's supposed to do. It's killing your relationship with God because all you're focused on is what you're doing. And if you are doing it, you feel proud, right? It's killing your relationship with yourself. It's a burden you can't even carry. And it's keeping you from actually doing like loving other people who are right in front of you on the sabbath because you're so obsessed with what you can and can't do right and so jesus comes and says to them this is a gift for you yeah and so we have to realize man this is actually not something that's easy to lay hold of and take hold of but it's no harder for us than it was for the people thousands of years ago this has constantly been a problem right for us as the people of god yeah it's it, it, i love this idea of it, of it being a gift right a gift mm -hmm. is something that you receive you don't go i mean some of maybe some of you buy yourself gifts and wrap them up in either whatever really you're just fooling yourself no judgment no judgment a little a little bit sarcastic comment is founded there i think um <laughs> But a gift is something that you receive. It comes from another place, right? And even, you know, um, you know, you mentioned the Ten Commandments, right? 
and all these other all these other rules. We can look at the Ten Commandments, and depending on how you grew up or what you know, or maybe you don't know anything about them, it's like the top ten list of okay, God is saying, here's what life needs to look like. Here's what life is going to look like. And I, I view the Ten Commandments less as rules, more as promises. You will be somebody who only has one God because I'm the only God that you need. You will be one who doesn't uh, cheat on other people and who doesn't lie and who's totally honest because I I know you inside and out, and I and you're safe with me, right? I see this promises. Um, and one of these commandments is is keep the Sabbath day. Now, okay, yes, it's a gift, but let's just for a second suggest that these are hard and fast rules. You got to do these things. Why wouldn't you <laughs> want to follow yeah. the rule that is stop, that is rest? rest. Yeah. Right? Of all the other things, okay? The other things are difficult, just as difficult as this. But this one is different, like, like rest. Why don't we want to receive that? There's something in us that fights against it, right? And God is put, put it there. God tells this to his people because he modeled it. First, this is meant to be, rest is meant to be part of the very fabric of human life. It's modeled by God and it's given to us as a gift. And yet, society, pressure uh, from our own lives, pressure from our bosses, pressure from whomever, capitalism around us pushes us to believe Right, that our identity is based, uh, our value is based primarily in what we produce in our productivity. That's not true, and, and this concept of rest comes up against all of that and says this isn't about what you produce. It's not about what you do. You're not a human doing. You're a human being. Now that sounds just about corny enough that you'd almost expect VJ to say it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> right, but there's truth in that. We're not human doings. We're human beings. Listen to me, your value is not rooted in the things that you do. Your value, your identity is founded in who you are to God. And, and how do we discover who we are to God? By being with God, by drawing near to Him. Seeing how as we're drawing near to Him, one of the things I learned as I draw near to God is that He's actually constantly drawing near to me. He's actually coming closer to me faster than I'm going to him. And as we spend time being with him, we learn, yeah, I'm a human being. Just being who I am, I'm loved by God. That's where my value is founded, which is why I can receive the gift of rest. I can stop because God is in control. God still loves me even when I'm not producing anything. You talked about like how, you know, like trusting God enough that the world revolves yeah. without yeah. us. Some of that stop is going... Oh, life goes on. Life goes on. And I'm still here. Yeah. And I'm not the title of what my job is or right. what I'm studying in school for right. me. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And that's difficult because we want the business card or we want the spot on the website. We like that's what our culture is telling us we need to have. You're only successful, you're only valuable if you have that. And God's coming up against that and saying, No. You know when you're most valuable to me? Like you're you're just as valuable to me when you're resting mm -hmm. and just trusting me yeah. than any other time. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So Veej, how does this like for us? play out in real life. You know, we teased earlier that we were going to share some stories about what's how this is uh, played out in our own lives. We're by no means just, you know, brainstorming. What does the church need to hear? Yeah. No, we're saying, hey, I'm, we're desperately in need of this. This has actually rescued us in a lot of ways. Yeah. Last year, uh, you were gifted uh, an extended period of time away at sabbatical. Tell us a little, what was it like going into the sabbatical? Uh, what was it like while you were on your sabbatical? And what's changed uh, as you come out of it? Yeah, thanks. So, I mean, it actually kind of begins three years ago. So three years ago, I was 18 years into my career, yeah. um, you know, had switched careers and I was a pastor at this point, I had three kids at home, still relatively young. 
Um, I was doing a master's on the side because I didn't study theology. I studied business, so I'm trying to catch up, <laughs> make sure I'm not... Just going to stay one week ahead of everybody yeah, else. <laughs> just limit the amount of heresy coming out of yeah. my mouth every week. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I'm, I'm studying, and so Mondays was you know, my, my kind of Sabbath, but I was studying on that day, which I, I liked it, but it was still stuff that I needed to do. And I was feeling like I'm trying to catch up. Right. I felt actually behind. I'm like, yeah. I haven't been a pastor for that long. I'm trying to catch up. Right. So I'm doing that stuff. We are now moving into becoming a multi-site church at that time. Mm-hmm. And, um, things are busy. I'm out three or four nights a week. And, um, I, I was, you know, they weren't like, we weren't, I wasn't in a destructive rhythm, but it was busy and life was full. And I remember thinking, okay, like church is getting more complex. Like, how do I become a better leader? We need to become a better leader. And then there's this little voice in me that I know now was the voice of God saying, no, no, what you need in this season mm-hmm. is to get closer to me. Mm-hmm. The greatest risk you have is that you will become unhinged, yeah. unanchored from me. Yeah. And all of your relationships mm-hmm. will suffer. So I was talking to a spiritual director at the time who I started to meet with. And he just, his role was basically to help me. Um, kind of identify where God is at work in my life and how to join him in that, how to pay attention to him, how to hear his voice and how to speak back to him. And I said to him, yeah, you know what? I, I think I need a, a sabbatical. Like that'll fix it. I feel so busy and whatever, you know, it's kind of like how we look at vacation yeah, or retirement. Okay, just give me a break. Just have that, I, you know, so let me stop and, and he breath. said, well, he said, before you think about sabbatical, he said, what are your Sabbath rhythms right now? Like daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. And I was like, Sabbath. why are you asking me that question? Like, yeah. Just tell me when yeah, I can go off <laughs> daily Sabbath. Rhythm. I don't even know what that is, right. but he began to say, listen, rest. Like we've been saying, this is a perspective on life. It's not about a day of the right. week. Yeah. It's about a way you think about your life and your work. You talked about like working, um, resting from work, resting for work. Right. What are your rhythms? Because he said, if you don't have good rhythms in place on a daily weekly, monthly, yearly, a sabbatical is not going to fix anything. No, you'll be lost. And, and many of us have found that true about yeah. our vacations, right? Totally. If, we're not, if we're not actually working in a way of rest one week, two weeks, look, three months, it's not going to fix anything. You need a vacation when you come back from vacation. Totally. So I began to kind of think about, okay, daily, what is, what is daily rest look like? Yeah. Um, like what is the beginnings and the endings of my day look like? Am I crashing? Am I like squeezing every last drop? Cause that I am like, I'm a night hawk, you know? So I have major FOMO since I was like two <laughs> years old. My parents said I would never go to sleep if there were people in the house. <laughs> Am I missing out? So I would, I would burn the candle at both ends. Yeah. Right. And so thinking, okay, what does the daily rest look like? Um, I even started that reading this book day by day, which many of you have read before. We got copies of that. You can grab those as well. You can let us know. That's actually about daily taking time in the middle of your day to stop for five minutes and 10 minutes and rest, rest in what rest in the truth that God doesn't need me to produce that. I don't need to be a better such and such. Yeah. And so realizing, oh, I can take five minutes, you know, and, and I'm, this is even when I was in the corporate world or whatever, I'm like, why did I never think to stop, to go up, take a walk outside for five and say, Jesus, I got a tough conversation yeah. coming up. I just had a tough conversation. I got a tough decision. Resting yeah. in God in those places on a daily basis. Then on a weekly basis, what does my weekly Sabbath look like? Mm-hmm. Um, Jen and I started working out. How many nights a week should I be out? And what's best for our family, for me and everything? And starting to make some adjustments there and just talking that through and sticking to it. Yeah. Right. And, and keeping it firm. In fact, not because you can do this, can't do this, but realizing some things we do actually aren't helping, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. and, and so that's not a list of do's and don'ts. So on a weekly basis and then monthly, one of the things we instituted right away as a staff was a PD day 
every 30 days where you're working, but you're out of the office. Mm -hmm. You're not meetings. You're not doing meetings. You're you're spending the first half of the day reconnecting with God. Mm -hmm. And then the second half doing thinking work. You know, many of you have jobs that require you to think, but nobody gives you the time to actually stop and think. And so that's about rest Right, inviting God into our decisions, into our thoughts, into our plans, into our strategy, into our hiring and firing, into our schooling decisions, into our tests, like on a monthly basis, carving out time, and then yearly thinking, what are my yearly rhythms? Mm-hmm. So one of the things we started doing on a yearly basis, we called it a fake vacation yeah. every November, because September and October we find are crazy. So Jen and I said, look, what if every November we take a week where I'm working, but I have no evening meetings? And that feels like a little bit of a vacation. My kids are always saying at dinner, are you home tonight? Right? right. And so just for that week where I know when I'm home, I'm home. You know, change my clothes, change my shoes, whatever. Like, because it's different. It feels different. That was the early rhythm. Um, you know, just things to realize all of this is about how is rest happening on a regular basis? How am I heeding God's invitation mm-hmm. to rest? So then when I got to sabbatical, I think I was way, I, I was I don't think I could have used that time well at all if I hadn't have prepared for it in the three years leading up to it. Interestingly, the very first day of my sabbatical, I was taking a week before my studies started. I sit down, I open my journal, and I say to God, okay, what do you want to say to me this season? The very first thing he said to me is, hey, I want you to spend, you know, really prioritize your relationship with Gideon in this season. Like, Hmm. Gideon's my young son. I'm like, that's the first thing God's saying to me. The God of the universe is like, you know what, your relationship with your third son is really important this season. You're coaching him in baseball. Don't play baseball your own team on Wednesday night because you're going to be rushing back and forth. Be present with him. I was like, man, that's what God is concerned with? It was actually beautiful, right? And I was like, okay. That, you know, and so um, coming into sabbatical and then at the end of it, I finished my master's. I had a bit of time, vacation or whatever. And rule of life was actually the goal that I, the one goal I had for that was to say, I'd love to have a trellis in place for our lives, right? So Jen and I sat down. And at the end of that, we worked out a few things. What things were we going to start? What things were we going to stop? What things were we going to shift? Mm-hmm. So we started doing some things that we weren't doing before. I was like, you know what? I think when I take vacation, I need two weeks back to back in the year. Mm-hmm. Some of you like need to do that. And you say, oh, my work will give me grief. So what? Yeah. They're probably not going to fire you. I remember one year when I was working in corporate life, I took three weeks. And then the day before I left, my boss was like, what? Who approved this? They called it the VJ rule after. So you can't take three weeks in a row. Hey, so maybe you can become famous yeah. in your work. But some of us need to take the risk and say, so I, I did for me two weeks because I just know what that does for my soul. Certain things I needed to start. Um, other things in terms of um, to stop. I know I need to limit, like, Jen doesn't like kind of violent and action-thrilled movies or whatever, so I don't know what's wrong with her. Um, <laughs> so then she would go to bed, and I would, like, watch them on a Friday night or on a Sunday night before Sabbath or whatever. But what I realized, I was, I was more tired the next day, and those things were playing in my mind. And I'm like, do I really need, like, the scenes from those movies that playing the next day? So it's not about, oh, you shouldn't do this. Like, I need to limit that. Yeah. That's not helping me rest, yeah. um, you know, to, to stop doing some of those things. I needed to... Um, just stop doing certain activities. Like one time we would shop on the Sabbath and went to like get something from the mall and I realized after, man, that killed four hours. Yeah. And I don't want that. That's, it's just not for me. Other things need to shift. Reading, I would read, but I would read like leadership books or pastoral theology books and they would just get my mind going. Right. And that's fine other days and other seasons, but on my Sabbath. So I started reading biographies, which I just enjoyed people's stories. And I found I ended up reading more. I'm on screens less because yeah. I'm just drinking this up. And it's so, so the stop, start, you know, shift was a really important piece in piecing together my role of life. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my, my experience was, was quite different than <laughs> that. I, I crashed into uh, my need for rest, or I guess I always had a need for rest. And that was the very thing that uh, made me crash into my uh, leave, (laughs) 
my sick leave from uh, from work. Uh, so I was actually off um, from beginning of March. I, I went off onto a, a, on a sick leave two weeks before the entire world went off on COVID <laughs> leave. Uh, so from March until June. And um, last October, some of you may remember this, is last Thanksgiving. Um, I just hit a wall really hard. Um, like not, not really hard, like slammed, crashed, began to burn, uh, by slamming this wall. I talked about that in a, in a message, uh, last October and, and many of you in the church were very uh, gracious and understanding and encouraging through that season. And what was happening is I was not, not really able to do, uh, even the basic tasks of my job. Um, you know, so there's like some big, big bucket items, you know, things like preaching would be one of the bigger tasks and some leadership and things like that. And, and those were very hard. I'm talking stuff like if I opened my email, I would, my heart rate would just start to pound and I wouldn't be able to focus. I couldn't read more than three sentences on a page. Weird stuff like that was happening. I remember you saying even once going up to preach, you'd be sitting there yeah. waiting and having a full on panic attack right before you're about to go. Yeah. Up. I remember one Sunday very distinctly, it kind of sums this whole thing up for me where uh, someone was reading the scripture as is our, our habit when we're in our live services and um as they were reading i was just thinking like maybe she'll just read the whole bible like she'll just keep reading for, for the next 40 minutes and i won't have to go up like literally uh you know shaking um and having to go up put my notes down and uh and then go for it and god really carried me through that season like i, I realized he's carried me through everything but really in that season it was really tangible i um, mean you know, home life was a disaster uh, because of me uh, i was like i'm the common denominator in pretty much all of the issues we have in our house and in that season it was particularly true my wife sander would say you know i was always walking on she was always walking on eggshells around me because she didn't know if i was going to have you know, like an anxiety attack, or if I was going to be in a bout of depression, or if I was just going to lose my mind and flip my lid and have a, a outburst of anger. The kids are young enough to not really know what's going on, but um, I do think in one way they knew like something's up with dad. They didn't really know what it was. Depression and anxiety were at an all-time high. I was discovering uh, this. I had had some of that in the past, but nothing as, as frequent or as consistent or as dark as this was. And, and you so, kind of felt like this came out of nowhere. I did feel like it came out of nowhere. And so started talking to a, a therapist who I still talk with uh, very frequently at that time. It was once a week and now it's about once every other, once every third week. Um, and, and also went to a medical doctor, got a physical, got some blood work done. It's like something going on behind the scenes. You know, all my blood work came back uh, clear, which sounds like good news, but then that was just showing, you know, there's something else mm -hmm. going on in my mind. And uh, what we discovered was that this was all happening as a result of uh, you know, clinical burnout, uh, which was uh, taking place uh, because there had been some emotional trauma that had taken place in my life. Uh, that is, I don't know if it's like a chicken or an egg thing, you know, was it like the burnout that, that led to the breakdown or was it the trauma that led to the burnout, led to the break, whatever. It was all happening to me at once. Um, and, and most of this, I, I do know that preceding all this, uh, there was an unhealthy and sometimes non-existent rhythm of rest. It just wasn't there. You know, for as long as I can remember, I never slept well. Um, my mind always is was racing. Uh, you know, when I was, you know, I'd get into bed, my mind would race. I'd wake up, my mind would be racing. I would have a day off, my mind would be racing. Um, you know, uh, I'd go on holiday or vacation and it's like my mind would be like, what should I be doing? What shouldn't I be doing? Or what should I be doing? What could I be doing? I hope the people I left to do my work while I'm gone are actually doing it. Let me just check on them. I had no boundaries with with other people, text, email, phone, 
whatever. I, I was just constantly, uh, you know, checking those things at all time. And so I started talking to my therapist, my doctor, and they say, you know, for you to begin recovering in this, what you need to do is you need to rest. You need to sleep, right? And it's just like God giving the command to these people. I should have said, okay, great. But I couldn't because I didn't know how to actually do that. And so he was saying, if you rest, if you start sleeping, if you start taking care of your body, other things will begin to start catching up. And so um, <laughs> as good news as that may have sounded, it, it was actually torture for me because I couldn't sleep. I'd lay down in bed. My mind would take off racing and it was like torture. And so at first I was like, God, is this a punishment for something? Like, did, am I missing something? Did I do something here? I started thinking, is this just my turn? You know, lots of people go through lots of things like this. Uh, what am I missing? I thought, is this just a mental breakdown? Like, is that just what it is? Or is there something more to it? And certainly there's a bigger picture. There's a lot more to it. All of these things are kind of connected to each other. Because over the course of time, I discovered that, um, you know, with the help of my doctor, with the help of my uh, therapist, with VJ's help, you know, the support of our staff and our elders, uh, Sandra just being so consistent um, in, in trying to take care of me and learning really how to love me and take care of me through all of that. Um, we did begin to learn that this is due to chemical imbalance in your brain. Okay, there's actually something going on there. So now I've started taking a regimen of medication that's help, helping me get balanced and, and figured out um, a little better. There's still lots of work. The pills don't solve all the problems, but they get me in the right direction of starting to solve the problems. Um, uh, it's helped me be at peace at least to, to rest in sorting through and wrestling through what's going on behind the scenes. Um, because I'm more physically rested, I've actually been able to work out my body more physically. Um, and so I've been spending a lot of hours on my bike. Like for me, out in the woods is just a place where I'm able to uh, feel free and, and hear the voice of God uh, out there. And so I've begun to implement those things in my regular structure of life, but particularly on my Sabbath day, which is Sunday evening into Monday evening is kind of my chunk of time. And so I try my best to not do any errands on that day. No groceries, no cutting the grass, nothing like that. I don't even think about my laptop. I don't, I leave it uh, tucked away in my bag. I don't take it out. No email, personal or work. If I look at personal email, it's just going to trigger that thing that makes you go into the social media spiral of death where I got to check this. And I got to check this and I got to check this and I got to check this. And before you know it, you forgot why you even picked up your phone trying to get out of that. Uh, I am trying to get out into the woods. Uh, before all this, I considered myself to be a lover of the great indoors. You know, as a society, we've advanced to this place where we have all the luxuries we need inside. Why would you go outside into the trees? And yet there was this sense of, um, you know, I was out for a bike ride on January 1st of all the days to be outside. I just thought, oh, I'll go try riding in the woods in the winter. Um, and in a weird way, it's like I heard God most clearly and sensed him most closely. And that that particular time over the Christmas break and into January was no doubt the darkest season, or the darkest time of my depression. When I remember we were meeting and we were talking and, you know, you were really understandably just going, I can't see God. I can't hear God. Yeah. It feels totally dark. Yeah. And then one day you said, oh, there was yeah. a crack in the door. Yeah filled with light and yeah. it, you said it happened in the woods yeah. right which is so so counter not, for me yeah it's not, not a place, intuitive yeah, no, not not a, you're not an outdoors man or whatever no and all of a sudden you're discovering this yeah. place where god is meeting you yeah and and so i mean like i i don't know i've put like 16 or 1700 kilometers on my mountain bike over this season and yeah that's just because i i love it but it's also because this is where i'm finding rest for my soul and, mm -hmm. and meeting uh, with God. And, you know, Sandra will say, oh, that's convenient, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, it is convenient. It's actually, that's what we mean when we say this is the gift. God wants to meet with us. 
He wants to give us the gift of rest and he's going to find ways to give it to us in these things that we actually really love to do. Uh, another thing that another part of my rule of life for Sabbath for rest is uh, on, on that day, I only read scripture. Now, let me clarify this. It doesn't mean I read the whole Bible cover to cover backwards and front every, it doesn't even mean that I even read the Bible at all on the Sabbath day. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but it's out there now. What this means is I don't read articles. I don't read blogs. I don't read the news. I try to stay off social media as much as I can. I don't read other books. If I have the wherewithal or the space to want to read, I'll read a little. I'll read a lot. I'm going to just stick with the word of God. Uh, On Mondays, our family also eats really good. Like I, I love cooking. It's like a creative and expressive outlet for me. It's one of the few things I do in my life that has a start, a middle and end, right? I get to feed my family. We get to eat it. We get to enjoy it or say like, no, never making that again. So you're dropping a Lombardo's? Mondays is the day. Monday night. Yeah. But remember, I'm also trying to embrace limits. So you might ring the bell and I might not open it. <laughs> that might actually be true. Anyways, thanks, Pastor. Uh, you know, yeah. Thanks, Pastor Dave. Yeah. Um, all of this is meant to be, uh, you know, unrushed. Uh, un, unscheduled, unhurried time. And, you know, I joked about it earlier with the bike thing. You know, it wasn't that convenient that you get to go be on your bike. Oh, he needs to go be with God. It's like trying to pull this God card. But um, I, I think for a long time, and I still fight this, there's like this guilt complex, which is saying, no, you can't be doing things. Don't, you can't find joy in mountain biking or joy in a good steak and glass of wine. You, you can't find joy in those things. You're meant to find your joy in Jesus and Jesus alone. Yeah. But you know what I've discovered? Jesus is gifting me these things. Yeah, he's, they're give, he's giving them to me as a gift. And when they're reoriented, when they're centered around being a means of receiving his love and then giving his love, he actually redeems all aspects of our lives. And we get to, we get him, we get him. Yeah. We get to be human beings who are being with him. And that's the gift that we receive from God. So that's been my, my process. I am not better. I'm getting better. There is a sense of I'm certainly in a healthier place now than I was even a month ago, two months ago, for sure. But this is a process, and it, it, it required a hard reset in my life. And I think what's interesting, even though our two stories are so different, the things that needed to start or stop or shift are different. Yeah. Both of us would say that the result has been a closer relationship with God yeah. and with ourselves yeah. and with the people around no us. No doubt. And so I think the common denominator is there's risk involved. I know it's risky to say, I need to begin to change some things. I need to rethink my life. Um, But the risk is associated with a trust in who God is, that he is able to sort these things out for you to begin. I remember in my second year of university, when I started actually observing a Sabbath at school with a community of people that that I lived with there in Kingston. My grades started to go through the roof after, <laughs> and when I started working less. Yeah, right. And I don't know how that works, but it was an act of risk and trust. Faith, and so right? that's, yeah, and that's, that's true for all of us. And so we're just hoping, like, over these next few weeks that you can begin to put pen to paper, whatever that is, start to take notes and say, what could this look like in my life? And so that's we invite you to do that, even at, at the end of this message, to go to the Reconnect blog and start to... Um, it'll be posted by Sunday evening and you could start to work this out in terms of, okay, what things in my rest bucket to start, to stop and to shift. Yeah. We don't want this to just be like, Oh, let me think about this a little, this is actual put pen to paper and actually create a Start to think about it. So the blog's going to have questions to help you begin to think. Uh, because you need to work it out. Um, before we close today, we're going to have a time of communion together where we share, again, it's something that Jesus is, in, is offering to us to receive. But before we do that, and just some time for you to prepare your own heart, I want you to listen to this song that's really um, about 
uh, having a desire to run, you know, mm. in the midst of chaos and trouble and darkness and confusion to be in the presence of God. Yeah. And so you don't need to sing. It may be new for most of you, but just to listen and let this be your invitation as well.